Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is Disengaging from Strife. I have with me on the show today my very good friend, Tom. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today to share your experience and your knowledge about disengaging from strife with the listeners. Oh, hey, Glenda. Thanks. It's great to be here today. So I did a blog post on June 17th called Increase in Jezebel Attacks. That's on my website, justpraisehim.today, for anybody who wants to see the text of that. Let me read it here since it's, it's short so everybody can be on the same page. The word I have for you all today is not from the Lord, but from me. I have received information that attacks by the vile spirit of Jezebel are greatly increased right now. Since we live in the time of the spirit of Elijah, we should not be surprised. Jezebel always chased Elijah. I've heard from numerous people that they are dealing with these Jezebel attacks now, and I also have been. I recently released a teaching on YouTube called Spiritual Warfare 2022 Jezebel Update Part 1. And I've since released also Part 2. And somewhere in between there, my little dog almost died from HGE, so that was a, oh, it was a big mess. And he had to be rushed to the vet and go to the hospital for three days. That was terrible. But that was during all of the the more intense part of the attacks. It is very helpful to be able to recognize a Jezebel when you encounter one. She wears a veil, and so it sometimes takes a little while for her true colors to show up. But she always exposes herself sooner or later. In part two of the update, I talked about some ways that you can bind up and pray against Jezebels. Jezebel attacks have increased dramatically the past two months. And I'm getting reports from all over the world as far away as Italy. In the last week or so, I've gotten reports of Jezebel attacks really, really increasing. And she has been attacking me through someone uh, that I helped recently. And the attacks are the most evil and vicious that I have suffered in many years. So I put out the post about the increase in attacks because of the time we live in. And I was flooded by emails within hours telling me about their attacks. So I want to read you something that I received from my friend Phil in Italy. In one of these attacks, which took place seven years ago, the vile exponent of the enemy of God delivered us some culinary delicacies as a gift at home so that we would eat them, jams, sauces, salamis, etc. Most likely they were, I think he meant to say they had spells cast on them. I ate some. And as I thought that the Jezebel in question was a friend, which usually do think that, y'all, about a Jezebel at first. I did too. And a saint. And then I began to suspect when my son, who was then five years old, started telling me that the food was not good. And he said, I threw it all the way. Now, I want to tell y'all, and he said, God warns us and protects us of the dangers with those around us and does not allow the test beyond the limit set by him. Mark sixteen eighteen. they will take the snakes in their hands, and if they drink some poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. That's what he wrote. So I want to tell y'all one of the things that I've heard of Jezebel's doing in the past before he wrote that was bringing food. 
Jezebels generally will appear as not only a friend, but someone who wants to be a close friend before they reveal their true colors. She will look for a way that she can, quote, help you. But it's not really help she's offering. She's trying to worm her way closer to you to get information about you to use against you later, just so you know that. So, wow. You mean uh, you mean Phil's little boy was discerning the toxicity and spirit attached to those so-called gifts? Yes. Isn't that amazing? Well, you know, I believe it. Um, it's amazing what the Holy Spirit is able to do. And we know children are very pure little people mm-hmm. in the sense that they're not yet deeply touched or influenced by the corrupted world all around them. Amen. So those little babies, they see things. And I, I think sometimes we need to bend an ear to listen to them. I agree. <laughs> so, you know, Glenda, I completely agree and can stand witness to this overall thing in another, maybe more subtle way. Just recently, I've had a new crop of what I'll call strife weeds uh, pop up around me that I'm not sure what to do with just yet. I've decided to step away from them, knowing I'm dealing with a field of potential landmines. Mm. Yeah, um, it it feels bad. Um, All I know is that this is what makes our hairs stand straight up on end and what makes a canary a coal miner's friend. We know when something's wrong, and I'll say that what I've discerned is a is a cold and calculating spirit that seeks to control. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be found in the Jezebel spirit, but also otherwise. Um, what can be discerned, I've found so far, is a hardness of heart to a degree that it's disturbing, as if the life is being drained out of things, because this spirit will use fear or intimidation if it can. It will also accuse others of the very same things it does. Amen. Yeah. Um, Isn't that amazing? Um, Mm -hmm. Resulting in a kind of dissonance of mind, or what I'll call double-mindedness, that's stunning. This spirit is also a mocker. And sometimes it's hard to see things like this coming from a distance because the cloaks and the covers can be worn cleverly. It's also hard to see things up close, especially when you've been living way too close to them. Yet following here in this podcast, I'm going to be talking a little more specifically about some cumulative family strife I've been dealing with for about the past year. I'll be sharing some considerations and approaches that have absolutely worked. And I'll also preface here by saying that when it comes to family matters, I am actively and fervently seeking resolution and reconciliation in all ways possible. Um, You know, as serious as the subject matter is, I believe I can give some encouragement about how to cope well and even be victorious. That would be awesome. Landmines indeed. You feel like you're walking on eggshells because any little thing sets them off on another evil rampage against you. You just described a Jezebel perfectly, Tom. Those Mm. who have listened to me for years know I often quote James 3.16 when speaking on strife. Let me read you verse 16 in the third chapter of James for reference. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And Jezebel always brings strife. That's why we're talking about both. Confusion comes in with that witchcraft that's on Jezebel. She is a witchcraft spirit. So there is a, this most recent Jezebel that I encountered, there was a cloud of heavy witchcraft all around her. And I noticed that whenever she would stand near me, this confusion would overtake my mind. I was like, what is wrong with my, you know, 
Am I, and am I, you know, going senile? What is wrong with me? It's like my brain would lock down. It was the strangest thing. I never experienced that before. This one was particularly, well, it may be a case of possession. I don't know yet. But you all will often notice when you get within proximity to somebody with this spirit, and you may not even know they have it like I didn't, that it will attack your mind like a heavy cloud, and then you can't think and you don't know why. And every evil work, well, there is nothing this spirit will not do to get its way. No low is too low. It has zero scruples, and I do mean zero. Others' feelings are irrelevant, completely irrelevant. No matter who gets hurt or suffers loss, it wants what its way at all costs. It wants what it wants, and it wants its way at all costs to you. Strife opens this door wide to the enemy and can only bring destruction. Nothing good ever comes of it. We must at all costs refuse to engage in this ugliness. Leave it to those who work for Satan. Let them strive amongst themselves. Exactly, Glenda. I mean, let them embrace the company they insist on seeking. And you know, it's sad, but sometimes you have to walk away from the train wreck. I could not agree more. My experience was I went all out helping someone and thought I had found a close friend. Imagine the heartbreak when that person left my life and went about slandering me with absolute lies, trying to discredit me to get what it wanted when it wanted it, just like the spirit always does. This one will turn on you in a blink of an eye, and you won't ever see it coming. When you are helping someone, your guard is down. You're not looking for spirits. Your guard is down because you think that you're, you know, helping them. You're doing something good, so you're, you don't have your, you know, your guards up all around you. If you stay prayed up and you do serious warfare against it, once you know it is there, it won't be able to do any real damage to you, any lasting damage. The Lord will protect you and throw it to the dogs, just like in the Bible. Let me read you the story. This is how Jezebel always ends up, as it is written in the inerrant word of God. This is in 2 Kings chapter 9, starting in verse 30. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head, and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? Josephus recorded her question like this, A pretty servant you who have killed your master. She was accusing him of something he didn't do. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. And that was prophesied, by the way. You know, all those people around Jezebel who are forced into doing her bidding, like those eunuchs were, they're going to turn on the Jezebels in this world, and they're going to start, they're starting to turn on them even now. And she is doomed when they do, because her end has already been declared long before our time. Destruction that comes quickly and without remedy, like in Proverbs 29.1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. Now, what that means, being often reproved, means that often people have tried to rebuke or correct you. That you hardened your neck means that you were stubborn, severe, and difficult. It is a response of pridefulness to being corrected. And Proverbs 29.1 says, It will lead to your being destroyed suddenly and without any warning whatsoever. Talking about Jezebel being pushed out the window, I found this entry in the Benson commentary on what happened to Jezebel to be very interesting. Thus, as she had done, so she suffered. 
she had commanded Naboth to be stoned, and now she is stoned herself, for there were two ways of stoning among the Hebrews, either by throwing stones at malefactors till they were knocked down and killed, or by throwing them down from a high place and so dashing them to pieces. I never heard that before. You know, I never knew that about stoning among ancient Hebrews. I mean, that's that's both interesting and, of course, horrifying at the same time. Yeah. But what this means here is that God is not mincing words. Amen. And, you know, God says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7, one of my favorite verses. And that is not only a scripture in the inerrant word of God, but a spiritual law. It will come true whether you are a believer or you're not a believer. And this is a word for somebody. I can feel it in my spirit. It matters not. I think the Buddhists call it karma. Yeah, that's coming back around to you if you've been acting like that. That's exactly right. You know, if left to its own devices, or its own destructive devices, rather, nothing good ever comes from strife. Mm -hmm. But God can turn all things to good. Strife can be turned around, but it's always best for us to disengage from it first so we don't get ensnared by it. Now, you did say that Jezebel, if you stay prayed up, can't do any real damage. I, I agree, but I will say that when you're in the throes of a Jezebel attack, you will feel feel hurt and you'll feel betrayed and abused to a pitiful degree. Amen. It it is not, it's not pretty. No. Uh, yet with God, there's always hope for strife to disappear and for reconciliation to claim victory. Jezebel can be vanquished, and has been over and over again. That being said, we have to remember not to stand in the way of godly resolution of strife by garnering a hardened heart because we've been wounded. You know, it's, it's really hard to have a soft heart when you've been yeah. hurt very badly. It causes bitterness. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you're still licking your wounds, you know. And sometimes that's what makes the Jezebel, that's what gives them entry into that person, their bitterness. Yeah, that's right. And that temptation to take matters into our own hands, though, can be a trap. And so we're going to address pride, offense, anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness as traps to be aware of. Well said. I agree. We don't have to engage, even if the person stands screaming in our faces, calls us names, or tries to embarrass us, which they often do. You take away all their power when you refuse to lower yourself to their level. That's right. Stay out of that boxing ring because once you step in, you won't get back out without getting beaten black and blue. That is so true. Let's talk about some ways that we have tried to disengage even as we are getting hit with attack after attack. Let me show you in the scriptures what happens to each one. The one who does engage and those those who start it would be in that category and the one who steers clear and prefers God's ways, God's ways to Satan's ways. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Strife bringers are famous for judging Christians while not acting the least bit Christian themselves. And I have seen this again and again in the Jezebel spirit. She loves to say, oh, well, that's not Christian. That's not godly. And the way she's acting is far worse than anything. She's judging you for, can I just say that? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, 
and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. This is talking about the people who disengage this verse to them who by patient continuance, who disengage, who refuse to participate in the ugliness with the strife bringers. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, that's the strife bringers, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. We don't want to see what the wrath of God looks like because you won't be looking at it very long before it takes you out. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish. That's what the strife bringers will be rewarded by the Lord, which means we don't have to do a thing except disengage. That's right. You know, sometimes as much as we want to go forward with our fists clenched and swinging, isn't it also a relief to know we can retreat to a cool place of shade and calm and reason and clarity in the Lord? Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, and just get out of the fray. You know, let him wipe your sweaty brow and, and give you rest and take you in. Yeah. Let me expound a little on verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, which means those who just keep on keeping on doing what's right for the glory of our great God instead of engaging with strifeful people who continue to persevere in their faith in Almighty God will receive eternal life. By the way, people who walk in right ways before God and who shun evil and refuse to participate are always honored by God. I also believe are the people referred to in Psalm 23, 5. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Amen to that. That's the people who refuse to engage in strife. I have seen this happen before in my life, y'all, in a very bad, very unjust, strifeful situation many years ago. One of those years where it's so bad, you just grieve your way through it. But in which I tried so hard to keep trying to do the right thing and just putting one foot in front of another, even though my heart was broken at every step. It was bad. So I cannot reveal all the details of the table that Lord prepared in order to protect the identity of those who were guilty of the strife. But I will tell you, it went far beyond my wildest dreams, and I was amazed. What you have to realize about Psalm 23, 5 is that if you fall under this, God will exalt you for doing the right thing. And by the way, when you do the right thing, when everyone against you is doing wrong, then God himself will defend you. You can tell by the outcome who was doing right and who was doing wrong. But when he exalts you, he will make sure your enemy knows every blessing he bestowed on you. That alone is worth persevering for. I'm talking about long-awaited answers to prayers kind of blessings. Yeah, like a, like a desperately needed rain shower on the hottest day of the year when everything in the garden is wilting and folding in and just trying to hang on. That is exactly how you feel that that's going on. One of the hardest things during an attack like this one, an attack by Jezebel, is to not go tell every single person you know what they are doing and saying. But if you do that, then you have stooped to their low level. If you slander, how can God defend you against slander being spread about you? 
He will not defend evil no matter what. He will not defend sin. No matter what lame excuse you give for it, he said that is a word for somebody too. You have been sinning and you have literally asked the Lord to defend you in this situation. He says, no, he most certainly will not. And for you to stop asking him to. You got yourself into that mess. You did not consult him for his will. So now you can get yourself out. That's exactly right. And I think the man who hears that word you had for him will do well after being touched in his heart. Um, a man or a woman, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a man. I'm not sure. But God is you know, holy and just, but evil consists of none of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in fact, he's so full of mercy. If we would only realize how much and if we would only listen to him. You know, Proverbs 19, verse 11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. You know, we can rise in glory over strife, or we can feed it and go down to a pit of degradation with it. We can make choices. We're going to talk a little bit later in this podcast about how to make right choices. Amen. There is so much strife going on right now, separating friends and families everywhere. Now, when we all need each other the most, and the reports I'm getting and the attacks I've come under, these are the most vicious attacks of strife and slander I have encountered so far. Truly the work of the devil. People truly working for the devil, but claiming to be the Lord's. That is such an abomination. The Lord looks upon that very harshly, by the way. I would not want to be them when the hammer falls. That reminds me of an old quote, by the way, one of my favorites of all time. If you dance with the devil, the devil don't change. The devil changes you. Oh, that's a good one. I've never heard that one before, but that's good. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if you are calling yourself a Christian while going around starting strife and sowing dissension by making up lies and slandering people and fighting with people to get what you want, you are a hypocrite. The devil is lying to you, and you are believing him. Absolutely, when it comes to hypocrisy. Slander, by its very nature, involves hypocrisy. Yep. It's a bad trap. Stop to think about that. Can you think of any instance of slander that did not have hypocrisy behind it? No. I can't. No. Proverbs 13, verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So all hypocrites are proud. Mm -hmm. There it is again. You know, mm -hmm. there's pride, right? Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 also says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes, mm -hmm. meaning that it's useless to engage in foolish and ignorant disputes. It, it just doesn't pay. Um, author and illustrator Kurt Hanks has said, None are as offended as those who contrive offense. That's good. Now let's think about that. I have a little story. It's not long. Back when she was just a little girl, one of my sisters, I have two sisters, one of my sisters developed a bad habit of tattletaling. And like all little tattletales, she would embellish. <laughs> <laughs> Even in a child. This is a strife-stirring spirit, though. Strife-stirring is manipulative and yes. often attention-seeking in nature. One evening after a difficult day of confinement in the house due to a bad winter storm, my mother had become exasperated with her and with the rest of us that she called her little crab apples. <laughs> <laughs> she could have said worse. She said it nicely. Um, 
<laughs> it had been a day of winter lockdown and boredom leading to bickering and picking. <laughs> Mom was also worried about Dad being out in all that ice and snow and wind. When Dad got home, my little sis went to him, pouting and thinking she could win him over and sail right past Mom. <laughs> he immediately discerned what was going on and said to her utter dismay, Have you got any of that, or have you got any more of that for me? Or should we just wind you up so you can start that nonsense all over again? Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> she immediately burst into tears, ran off to her room, and hid under her bed covers. Mom wanted to go after her, but Dad said, Let her be. Let her soak in it for a while, and she'll figure it out and learn her lesson. Well, by the end of the evening before bedtime, there was complete reconciliation because my little sister could not bear to be without Dad's love and approval. Isn't that what our Father in Heaven is constantly calling us to do? Or calling us to, rather, reconciliation? Yeah, I love that. I love that story. What wise parents you have. <laughs> I, I agree. There's something else. And, you know, in that instance of tattletaling or strife stirring, that's what we call getting caught in the headlights. Mm -hmm. A lesson in personal about accountability delivered wisely at the tender age of seven. <laughs> 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 she was seven. Um, but let's all be aware that, unfortunately, in this day and age, the art of debate and respect for the viewpoints and opinions of others is gravely lacking. Yeah. Aggression and bullying which are additional forms of overt manipulation, too often rule the ring. Amen. Bullying, by the way, is the Jezebel spirit. Yeah. And bullying also in the way that a lot of people do it, I'm sorry, it's just childish. It is. Yeah. Um, debates and well-formed arguments meant to compare and contrast and edify even when they don't lead to agreement are not inherently bad. That's what we're supposed to do instead of trying to just push people around and get our way. Right. I mean, and if done right, those things can be productive and knowledge building, but yeah. contentions and alterations are strife-ridden and bad-spirited, and sometimes they lead to tragic outcomes. Yeah, and you know, debates and well-formed arguments are the intelligent person's way of dealing with those situations. That's right. And here's something. Um, Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. This means, basically, get real and get it out in the open so it can get resolved before everybody gets carried away. So many times during the past two years plus, I've seen this play out among family members in particular. I've seen some small resolutions, but I've also seen some full-blown strife. Mm -hmm. When at all possible... Sometimes, a direct approach from the outset can arrest offense and keep it from morphing into strife. We're going to go on to talk a little bit also about how offense ties in with strife and how pride fuels them both. Well said. I agree. And yes, pride is at the root of it all. The person that I was dealing with that's been attacking me is very prideful. And I've known too many of those kissing enemies they hurt you every way they can and then come around kissing up to you, trying to get back in your good graces so they can hurt you some more. No, thank you, Satan. Not today. I would not care for another serving of that. Yeah, and to my little sister's credit, that was not the spirit she carried. All she wanted was love, and she realized she had done wrong, and she was sorry. Good for her. So you know what? Let's look to the kids. They got it. The kids are doing it right. They are. They are. <laughs> yeah. And 
for sure in cases where sincerity is an afterthought you know on their part i mean this is where people go wrong i mean if you're not sincere if you're not contrite of heart then you're in trouble okay um so where there has formerly been strife it's not unreasonable to be wary of deceit in the future can i can i interject a thought right there sure your little sister is a person who has a good heart clearly some of these people, these yep. Jezebel people that I've dealt with, and especially this most recent one, just a person without any honor whatsoever. Yeah, and therein lies the difference, yeah. you know. Um, good point. We have to know God's wisdom on all of this and do what we can not to engage on these levels unless we absolutely have to when it comes to strife. We have to take a breath, stand back, ask for discernment, and set our hearts. The overt behavior of others might keep us at arm's length from them, but let's consider making it a matter of heart within ourselves to internalize Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. These passages really are a consolation to a wounded heart, as long as anger and offense can be quieted in order to allow the wisdom to soak in. It sure isn't always easy, but Scripture here says, starting with verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one to, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So, a humble heart of forbearance provides a solid foundation for dealing with difficult people and irksome situations. Proverbs 19, verse 11, drives it home with the following. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. I want to interject something right there. Yeah, sure. Um, There are many instances where people have attacked me, and I've been the one to Mm. go and, and offer reconciliation. But there are some instances where you know that the spirit you are dealing with is just evil and dangerous, and you have to just put distance between yourself and them and get along with God and forgive. Just because you forgive does not mean you have to offer the hand of fellowship back to that person again. I'm Mm -hmm. a firm believer in some people you just got to stay at a distance from because it's for your own well-being. So I just, I just want to put that, it doesn't mean we should not forgive. We always have to forgive so that we can go to heaven. We have to forgive. But when somebody stabs you and stabs you and stabs you, like what just happened to me, I think mm-hmm. you have to go aside with God, stay away from that person and get healing from him and just keep your distance. So they can't stab you again because they're still holding a handful of knives. We're exactly. talking about people that are just evil in their heart. I'm talking about people that are just utterly evil in their heart. Mm-hmm. They have no good intention. They just are out to use you. Fortunately, most are not like that. No. But, but when you encounter one, you sure do know it. Some of the Jezebels are like that, though. And, and so when Jezebel has possession of that person, that's what you'll encounter. There's yeah. no good in Jezebel. And, you know, just whispering back to Proverbs 19.11 once again, talking about having discretion and deferring your anger. Yeah. Um. It is our glory to pass over a transgression when we can. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, have you ever noticed how quick-tempered people are trusted by others far less? Oh, than far, far, 
Far less, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anybody who works in supervision or team building knows this all too well. Oh, yeah. Um, have you noticed also how currently there's an ever-increasing and disturbing tendency toward immediate judgment, condemnation, and execution by hanging? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this hot-headed spirit of offense truly is a murderer with its revenge tactics yeah. to include vicious cancel culture and much mm-hmm. more. Yep. This is what's known as assumed authority. Yeah. Assumed authority is also usually illegitimate authority. Amen. That, yeah, and, and, and not only that, but it quickly crumbles in the face of scrutiny or questioning. In spirit, we can cancel much of this nonsense through the strength we find in God's Word. That is so true. Assumed authority is almost always also illegitimate authority, and something you will see Jezebel do is she always usurps authority that is not hers and tries to get in, do things that she, and say things she has no authority to be doing and saying. And those are those uh, illegitimate authority is usually assumed by those who have no authority of their own. Yep, there you go. They're trying and, to be somebody that they don't have the character to be. That's right. Um, and we have to remember that most temptation of this type, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we're confronted by a spirit like this, does not require us to step into the boxing ring. Amen. No matter how compelling it seems and no matter how provocative the scoffers and the stirrers can be. Um, knowing God's word allows you to stare down contentious situations while never uttering a word. That is so true. And the reason they are trying to get us to step into the boxing ring is to make us look bad so they can go around and slander us saying, oh, well, they said this and they said that. And they will never tell what they did to you first. That's right. But Proverbs 17, verse 28 says, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. This is why in modern vernacular, we often hear the following iteration, which also makes a great deal of sense. And that is, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Mm -hmm. Now, some attribute that quote to Mark Twain and some to Abraham Lincoln. I don't think we really know, but its origin is clearly in Proverbs 17, verse 28. You know, God always has the original right ideas about everything under the sun. Amen. And that is one of my all-time favorites. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. My mom used to say that, and she was both wise and quiet. On another note, Socrates said, When the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the loser. And the Bible continues with Proverbs ten eighteen. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Wow. Um, I, I'm going to memorize that one, that one from Socrates. Hmm. I have a book of Socrates' writings, and I have never read all the way through it, shamefully. I'll bet it's in there. You know, talk about dropping all the manners and resorting straight away to dirty tricks. Yep. This is how so many are now behaving. Let's make ourselves aware of this, because our knowledge is power against the schemes of the enemy. That is exactly how they're behaving. Strife reminds me of that quote again. It's so obvious that so many Christians think they can walk in strife and it won't affect them. 
But when you dance with the devil, the devil don't change. The devil changes you. And strife changes you because it lets in a whole truckload full of demons who are now attached to you and operating in your life. And when they're through using you to bring destruction to other people and slander other people, guess what? They're going to bring all that back on you. Multiply. That's the way that works. That's absolutely true. That's a hot mess. And, you know, strife also, among other things, breeds anger as a result of offense of some kind. Yes. Ephesians 4, verse 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, people around us are capable of committing heinous crimes of the spirit and otherwise all kinds of mischief. But we have to remember, so are we. Let's not slip up on that piece of black ice. This kind of spiritual slipping field represents traps and deceptions. Anyone who has tried to navigate a car or a truck on an ice-coated roadway knows it can look perfectly fine on the approach. Black ice means it looks no different than the normal blacktop of the roadway or the walkway. But once both feet or all four wheels are on it, watch out for a treacherous and terrifying ride hopefully not into the bottom of a ditch or a gully or into an oncoming vehicle. The enemy wants us in the emergency room and preferably in a funeral home. Amen. (laughs) And here's another point. Not all strife has to be resolved in one day before the sun goes down. Sometimes this can be misinterpreted. You know, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Well, God isn't concerned about the whole big mess at the end of the day necessarily, but he wants us to check our wrath quickly. That's the key. You've got to check the wrath. Otherwise, you're, you're going to slip up. Yeah. You know, uh, who can walk on ice? Oh, amen. Resisting the impulse to repay evil with more evil is the key to it, along with resolution of spirit not to feed the strife in the first place. Amen. Repaying evil for evil will get you tossed around and probably badly banged up on the ice. So the more immediately we claim and make this commitment in spirit, the better off we're going to be. Don't let the sun go down on that part. Cry out in commitment to the Lord on this, even when you're in terrible distress. Cry that you be spared the wicked trouble zone in the first place. Your Father in heaven will hear you, and he will help you. Yes. Romans 12, verses 17 through 19, says, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord, (laughs) not saith us. (laughs) Amen. Um, This can be a commitment we make on the spot even when we're smoking hot with anger and indignation, when we're hurting, crying, wounded, and wanting to strike out in rage. Nobody likes being spat on and abused. Again, verse 18, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men. So then what if that's not possible? Well, you don't have to congregate with them. What happens if you still have to live under the same roof with them? Well, Proverbs 17, verse 1 does say, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith, than in house full of sacrifices with strife. I'm just going to say amen to that because I've lived it personally. Even if you can't get away in person, 
You can certainly do it in spirit, and those around you will be made well aware of that. Claim your boundaries. What a good idea. Not only that, but a curse falls on those who do return evil for good. Proverbs 17.13, I call that the Proverbs 17.13 curse. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. So if there's someone who's been good to you and helped you and done things for you, and then you return evil to them, you just brought a curse down on your life, ordained by God himself who, on the people who do this kind of wickedness that never leaves. Just as King David brought the sword down on his house when he had Uriah the Hittite killed so he could marry Bathsheba. David had always had peace, but from that day on, the sword never departed from his house, and he had to battle after battle after battle. You know, that, that's powerful and also just utterly frightening. Uh, right, yeah. So we have to watch, you know, we have to hold our tongue because if, you know, bring evil back to somebody who's done good for you, that's not good because that curse never goes away. There's no remedy for it. My personal stance against strife bringers is I want nothing to do with them. I distance myself from them and do not engage. The minute you engage, and engage means to answer or to fight back or to engage in some kind of mudslinging that they do about you and they always do it, you are as guilty as they are. And the door allowing evil into your life flies open to the enemy. We don't want any of that, y'all. And related to not returning evil for good, that just happened to me. And the person who did it does not know that now evil will never depart from their house. I think one other translation reads destruction instead of evil. But either way, we don't want any of that either. I looked at the Strong's definition of the Hebrew word translated evil in that verse And in addition to evil, it also means wickedness, trouble, adversity, and affliction. So the person who returns evil for good, evil, wickedness, trouble, adversity, and affliction shall never depart from their house. They just brought a curse down on their own house that does not end. Not very smart. Oh, yeah. You know, that's frightful what God's word says about returning evil for good and about returning evil for evil. It's all a prescription for trouble and affliction. Amen. It's, it's always a losing proposition, you know, for those who step into the ring. It's just, it's not worth it. Believers and non-believers alike so often have little to no clue about how spiritual laws work. In the world, cheaply recycled terms like karma get thrown around like toys and used in humorous ways. But what lies just beyond the pale is darkness and a realm of real hurt and real curses. True. <laughs> you know, what, what little I, I know even now and continue to learn, I wish I knew years ago. Well, myself, I have wished fervently so many times that I'd given my life to the Lord at an early age and began reading the word then. I would have been smarter. Oh, you and me both. And you know, I've, I've truly found that refusing to engage or get yoked up in spirit with strife is the perfect approach nearly always. Yeah. Um, In the realm of spirit, it's all about covenants, contracts, or agreements. Covenant would be the operative word. So in response, just starve the whole thing and get out of Dodge. Amen. (laughs) Withholding the feeding means not sealing the covenant. The next time I see a do not feed the wildlife sign, (laughs) I'm going to consider not only why it would be unwise to rebel and feed, but how that also works in spirit on so many levels. Yeah, that's so true. That is a you good, know. that's a good analogy. I like that. Thank you. You know, and you know, heeding words of wisdom is a huge stumbling block these days. But if you go around continually walking in your own understanding or walking 
in rebellion really is what that kind of is, you're going to get in big trouble. When you feed, you create a relationship. And a soul tie. Yeah. Uh, very oh yeah and and that relationship will lead to a bond or a covenant or a soul tie possibly uh, we don't want that with strife no. you, you don't want to get yoked up with strife you know a clear exception to some extent would be in a case where physical self-defense is immediately necessary but for most of us that will be the desperate or the exceptional case and even then like with domestic abuse Fleeing or leaving is often the best response, no matter how hard or impractical it might seem. God sees everything and doesn't forsake his children. The stir of strife, or the actual demon speaking, will often screech and rage, slander and curse, stomp and chuff and snort and spit. But if the communication is all one-sided, there will soon be nothing for the aggressor to feed on. Amen. And you know what? Most aggressors are actually cowards with lots of blow and little to no follow-through and a limited capacity to keep up an obnoxious show of power that they do not really have. Amen. <laughs> Big amen. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, let's just do a amen. And, you know, and if there are other witnesses present, the carrier of strife will usually retreat in some degree of social discomfort unless they happen to be without shame altogether. Yep. Often you can count on pride to seek damage control in order to attempt to make the offender look good long after they've already discredited themselves. Can I get an amen on that? Definitely an amen on that, because they are prideful cowards. That is no joke. Mm. James 3.16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Envying and strife. Strife is pride-based. Envying is too. Speaking of envying in the context of strife, I looked up the definition of the word strife in the New Testament in the Vines Expository Dictionary. The definition made reference to jealousy, ambition, and appeared to describe strife that stemmed from some type of envy, which matches James 3.16 and also perfectly describes Jezebel attacks. That's, you know, that's interesting. Most of us as adults can remember the last time we were truly both jealous and angry in the same turn. Mm-hmm. Usually that was sometime during our developmental teen years, maybe, or where we struggled to get to know who we are, or maybe further back into childhood with its rivalries and its selfishness. Mm-hmm. You know, true jealousy always has an underpinning of immaturity and bitterness. I mean, if we really stop to think about these things, you know, we can see this. And of course, a person can be in lack or need and be frustrated by it when they see others with plenty. Or when they're just plain suffering and miserable. I mean, that's fully understandable. What they need is mercy and a kind word, and better yet, a hand and some help. But jealousy is different. Jealousy, by contrast, isn't just a reaction to unpleasantness or discomfort. It has a spiritual origin that's toxic. Yes. It's also possessive in nature. It is. Yeah, that's why it often seeks to damage or destroy what it's unable to possess. Amen. You know, you, you might want to go, listeners might want to go and look up the etymology or the developmental history of the word jealousy. It's really worth a closer look. It's no wonder demons are all over it like flies at a picnic. But in Jesus, we're not victims. We're victors. Amen. Toxic. That is so true. I love the analogy of flies at a picnic. And I am hearing and seeing 
one toxic Jezebel attack after another. And Jezebel is a jealous bully and a coward. Yes. You know, Jezebel is the very definition of dishonor and corruption. Yep. She's a monster without scruples yep. or conscience or moral integrity or mercy. Yep. A bully indeed. Hell truly is the destination for this spirit. Whatever it is she wants, she believes it's hers for the taking. Yep. That's outrageous. Amen. That's why, as a wicked earthly queen, Jezebel was identified by her enemies as the festering menace she was. Like trash. So true. Yep. Consequently, she was tossed out a window, trampled by horses, and left for hungry dogs to feed on. Like trash. Yep. This in scripture is God's way of showing us how detestable this spirit is and how he abhors and casts out Jezebel. Amen. She received the condemnation and the violent destruction she deserved. You can't negotiate or reason with this spirit. Mm. Once you discern you're dealing with it, you have to literally take out the trash. Amen. <laughs> yeah, just kick it to the curb and be done with it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> in Scripture, the Lord, for example, calls Jezebel refuse in the, King, in the New King James Version and dung, D-U-N-G, in the KJV. Jezebel is irredeemable. Yep, and dung means poop for anybody who hasn't looked that up. That's right. It it, it it's it means just yeah, puppies, yeah. not like worth like doggy puppies. You throw them away. Right. right. You, you you can only throw it away. It's not worth anything else. That's and it. you know, Second Kings uh, nine verses thirty seven says, "And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say this is Jezebel." So. Jezebel literally did become dung. The dogs ate nearly every part of her, except for her skull, her feet, and the palms of her hands. The remainder of her was gathered up and taken out to a field and disposed up like trash. In other words, blotted out. That's what God does to wickedness. He blots it out. A monster without scruples, well said. You perfectly described her and the recent attacks. I want to share some insight I received from a friend on the other side of the globe. This is from my friend Phil in Italy. Be sure that Jezebel attacks usually when you overcome them, thanks to God, are less frequent, but increasingly subtle and strong when they do happen. Like a patient snake, they wait for a little door opened by their targets and they attack in the attempt to be lethal and definitive. Ministry like yours, he's talking about mine, are the preferred targets. The happy end is that everyone who escapes a Jezebel attack is then much more strong and resilient with respect to possible future attacks. Oh, amen and amen to that. This is a very wise man. Jezebel attacks not only directly and head-on, but through subtle means. Yes. She's an opportunistic predator. Yes. Since August of 2021 until recently, it's as if I've been swatting at a kitchen fire with a dish towel. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, this is not the kind of fire you can put out by smothering it with a towel, much less dousing it with water, figuratively speaking. Mm. It feeds on a greasy mess. If you so much as spit on it, it spreads. The only way to deal with this kind of fire in spirit is to walk away from it. This starves it of what it needs. Indeed, a dance with the devil will change you, but not him. You'll get drowned or burned, mm -hmm. and he'll just go on with his shenanigans without you because you're expendable to him. Mm -hmm. 
Proverbs 17, verse 14 says, The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. And Proverbs 26, verse 21 says, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. You know, how many times have we heard, with reference to a flood or a large body of water, that it feels like the crushing weight of concrete to come in direct contact with it? Strife will seek to drown you quickly. You'd better get yourself to higher ground. You know, I love what you said there, especially this starves it of what it needs. That is so true. Get to higher ground indeed. Take the high road by walking in God's ways and talking in his ways through the whole ordeal, and he will honor you for it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, this big old kitchen fire, as I call it, started in August of last year when I politely gave an RSVP in response to an invitation to attend an event. This event was against God's word. Yeah, I remember that event. Yeah, it was intense. Um, Yet out of all the guests, I was pursued for additional justification as to why I wasn't attending. It's clear in hindsight, this was an attempt at provocation and the intent to level personal insult against me. Has anybody ever heard of this kind of rudeness, attacking someone based on their RSVP when they happen to say, no, thank you? Can anybody just say that's outrageous? Were you singled out because you're a Christian? Because I think you were. Uh, Not only a Christian, but a close family member that they took too many liberties with. Yep. Yep. And I just remember my grandmother reading the Dear Abby and Miss Manners pages in the newspapers (laughs) and and (laughs) making remarks about how badly people can treat one another sometimes. How low can they go, she would say. And I would say, well, Grandma, probably a whole lot lower. Yeah, she's watching from heaven go, yeah, they got pretty low down there. Oh, yeah. And and she would just shake her head and she'd say, <laughs> she was born in 1920. So she said, well, my lands, there's just no accounting for it, you know, and I can just see her with a silent head palm there, you know, like, I just yeah. don't understand this world, right? That's so cute. Um, you know, I, so, you know, back to the invitation, I, I explained lovingly why I declined when I was contacted via telephone. A fit of public rage then ensued against me the very next day. Shotgun style. (laughs) I remember that, and it was shotgun style, too. It was horrible. Shotgun style. An attempt to mow me down and others with me to include my son, who was truly an innocent bystander. He had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with any of that. It, that. it It was despicable. And in fact, it was designed for him to hear it first, which makes it all the more evil because they went through my child. That's not okay. Yeah. Never mind that he was a 21-year-old adult last year. He's still my kid. You don't do that to my kid. He's still your child. It's not okay. That's right. Don't mess with my boy. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I had to ask, why was I ever invited in the first place? Well, the answer is social obligation and nothing more with a corresponding obligation or expectation that I bring a gift to bless it all. What followed was outrage based on my disagreement with what God calls abomination. And so I went silent. The fire needed fuel, so I starved it. Still, the embers smoldered for another three months while I tried to put the whole thing out of my mind. You know, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit, be angry, for angry resteth 
in the bosom of fools. Demons don't give up easily. They lurk and wait around. Jezebel and her cohorts are calculators. Yes. They want to adhere like napalm and burn you to the bone to finish the job later. Or kind of like how the Komodo dragon bites you, then waits around and follows your scent trail to your dead body after you've succumbed to the infectious bite. Oh, it, I didn't know that. Ugh. Oh, it, it's horrible. They don't move that fast. They can move fast, but they don't move that fast. Usually they'll bite you, and then you run away, and then they just follow your trail to wherever you happen to collapse because within a few hours you're probably going to have a heart attack. Ugh. And then, yeah, it's terrible. Then it consumes your remains while they're still fresh because it's been tracking you the whole time. Oh, that's horrible. Um, yeah. Um, so in November... One of the original spiritual arsonists behind this whole mess. I like that nickname. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, they set fires. That's what Jezebel does. Yeah. They, that's exactly um, what they do. That is very well named. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, but this was painful, and so yeah, it is. So they this this individual invited me to Thanksgiving dinner under false pretenses. How kind. Yeah. I, I was lied to about the underlying motive for the invite. The invitation was warm and open and cheerful. And, of course, it was during that time of year in my part of the world when the sky is iron gray, it snows, and the wind seems to blow about a 1,000 miles an hour all day, oh, right? Yeah. But the motive was not to welcome and embrace and give thanks for anything, but to humiliate and denigrate me publicly in front of extended family, their friends, and also a few neighbors for being a Christian and standing on God's word. It was a plan to administer punishment. Oh, well said. Yeah. So this was the Jezebel spirit at work, giving a seducing come on, and then sneaking up with a knife to stick it in my back. Amen. I was hoodwinked. Okay. But a couple of days later, I was given further discernment after having a bad dream about the whole thing. Yes, I would come, I had initially said. I was caught off guard by the messenger. Yes, I would bring a cherry pie, which, by the way, is a tradition in my home state of Michigan. And I also offered to bring a, a side dish if needed. I trusted because I was ignorant of the larger monster underground that I couldn't see. I can relate. Mm-hmm. And that's all it took for the fire to reignite. I was, within hours, slandered or roasted mm -hmm. in an email after having thought twice about the invite all of this following a night of tossing and turning and then backing out of the invitation the next day. So I accepted, but then I backed out, and I got nailed for it. Um, but I would have been nailed if I had shown up anyway. Which is completely unreasonable. Oh, it, it was wicked. Just yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> wickedness, okay? Yeah. So yes, um, and then this attack in particular, this backlash, was carried out via lazy, faceless email, Ugh. which is about as low as low can go. Talk about no which, class. Okay? Which means they're cowards. Oh, complete yeah. Complete cowards. And it was broadcast to no less than 10 recipients. How kind of them. There were actually 11. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. So I went silent. And again, I starved the fire by ignoring all the talking heads full of emptiness and ignorance and ill will. And yet... Several other recipients of that email storm sat quietly complicit the whole time. No one that took up for you. No, not one. Nobody did. And 
that in itself can be wickedness. When you just sit yeah. there and oh, watch yeah. something play out that's ridiculous. Silence is agreement. Yeah. Well, it can be. Yeah. And now it wasn't their fault that the offender put them on email in the first place. So no. I, I, they kind of get a pass for that. But over time, it didn't play out well. So every single one of them sat for months in tacit agreement following a hurtful display of ugliness. I mean, that just, it went on for months. And two of the most outspoken ones held back no profanity or insult, letting go on a couple of occasions like fire hoses full of gasoline. It was sickening. I guess. Christmas quickly came and went. I spent Thanksgiving alone and Christmas as fr with friends as a last-minute add-on. And, and, you know, don't you think that hurt just a little bit? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Especially in a family like yours that, that used to be really close and do everything together. I know. And so I, I guess I would have to ask, ask anybody, how would you feel or react? Well, you'd likely be sad and infuriated at the same time, which is an emotional combination that's very difficult to grapple with. So be careful. Yeah. Try to get a firm hold on a squirming school of small fish in your hands. It's impossible to hold on to that. Yep. So the real question would be not how you would feel about it. Lousy would be the answer, of course. But how would you react? It's mostly then about our reactions. I agree to that. It's all about reactions and c controlling our reactions to starve out the nasty monster of strife. Amen. You know, occasion after occasion this year to include Mother's Day and Father's Day and a recent graduation party has caused the same ugly pattern to lift up its head from its dark little hole in the ground. But the perpetrators have been starved of fuel. Their misguided narratives and prejudices have aged like milk. The strife has dissipated. Now that the fire is officially out, or so it would seem, what's next? Well, if you think there's nothing next, you're wrong, and I'll tell you why. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Here's a word of caution, and I'm talking about yellow tape caution and four-alarm fire bells caution, okay? Why? Well, because bitterness and unforgiveness can set in. This is where the fight has to go full nuclear against the demon perps who started the whole mess in the first place. Not the people perps. We're done with them for now. But the demon perpetrators. Now, bitterness. This has to be addressed first. This is the ugly, infected lesion of the wound with all of its visible byproducts. It's a nasty confrontation, but this confrontation has to occur, and the wound has to be irrigated. Have you ever assisted in irrigating an infected wound? No. I mean, I'm sorry, guys. It's kind of gross, but it, it's not for the faint of heart. I bet. But it has to be done. And then, once you've dealt with bitterness, then comes unforgiveness. Tackling unforgiveness is the next demon-vanquishing assignment because if unforgiveness sets in, the spirit of bitterness will infiltrate and the wound is guaranteed to become infected all over again. It's forgiveness that dresses the wound, keeps it clean, and facilitates healing. Forgiveness, standing on the backfilled and packed-down grave of a defeated bitterness, is the antidote. Note how demons always operate 180 degrees from God. It would stand to reason, then, that a demon's opposite is its antidote or vanquisher. That makes sense. Yeah. Did you know that bitterness and its ugly cousin, 
unforgiveness are demonic manifestations? Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, Glenda, as, as you've mentioned on more than a couple of occasions, demons can be identified according to their inherent natures. Mm -hmm. um, did you know that these two uglies are so toxic that if left unchecked, they're fatal to the soul? Yeah. If you let this kind of snake venom into your blood, you'll be eaten from the inside out and you'll die spiritually. You will. Yeah. This is as serious as a heart attack, as some of the old folks used to say back in my day. Yeah. Strife is the devil's work, make no mistake. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covers all sins. Yeah, amen. Um, lots to be said on love, and we're not talking about pretty greetings from Hallmark. Love can and sometimes has to be tough as nails. Getting to the bottom of strife and having victory over it requires mercy, though. Hatred is the polar opposite of love and mercy. Hatred is murder in the heart. Proverbs seventeen nineteen says, He loveth transgression that loves strife, and he that exalteth his gate seeketh destruction. That's pride exalting your gate. Yep, and an additional thought on that is, what you love is what you will become. Mm -hmm. If you love strife, you will destroy yourself. Amen. Proverbs twenty two ten Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Yep. In other words, get to the root cause of the infection, which is the scorner who sows the contention, and rout him out. Amen. James 3.16 again, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. That's right. Jealous strife leads to confusion and all kinds of destruction. Proverbs 26.20 is a key scripture in this. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. And that means don't feed it, don't engage with it, don't go around talking about it. Yeah, amen. And this works, I can personally testify. Fire needs fuel. Don't feed the fire. In fact, stay away from the fire entirely. You'll be less tempted that way. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have one close friend that you tell what's going to, you know, going on to and that you get counsel from. Like Nicole and I are each other's friends in that respect. We've always called each other on the phone and said, hey, you know, I need to vent about this. I need your advice, things like that. It doesn't mean, what it means is you don't go around and tell everybody in the neighborhood or everybody in the church what that person did to you. That becomes slander at that point. Confiding yeah. and getting counsel is one thing. Slandering puts you on their low level. Yeah, confidence and counsel privately with another trusted individual is one thing. Yes. But open gossip is another. Yeah. In Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. You're a fool when you don't mind your own business. Got that right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Romans twelve eighteen. if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Do the best you can. Do the best you can to live peacefully with other people. Yeah. Isaiah 41, 11, Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. They that strive with thee shall perish. Yeah, you know, the reward for those who try to maliciously take you down is that they themselves will be taken down and shamed and canceled out. Amen. Philippians 2, 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Absolutely. You know, humility will serve you well. Be humble yeah. because pride will destroy you. 
Yeah, there's not nearly enough humility in the world. No. So the truth is, strife is toxic. Strife is a distraction, and it is a time waster. It's a Jezebel of the worst order. Don't dance with it. Don't even exchange words with it if you can help it. I hope that we've given you all some ways to disengage from strife, to come out as unscathed as possible from the vicious attacks so many of us have come under lately. Because, y'all, it's the end times. You know, we're going to come under persecution, which is also a form of strife. We're going to come under attacks through anybody the enemy can pit against us to wear us down. But I hope that we presented for you some ways to identify strife and how to react to it in productive ways and how you can walk away from it with some victories under your belt. It isn't easy, but to engage with strife is a losing proposition. Don't do it. Yeah, you know, strife, (laughs) it creeps in or it just blows through the door and then it destroys. It messes with the sanctity of our relationship with the Lord. You know, in, in the 2011 movie, The Help, at one point, the character Minnie Jackson is instructing her new boss in the kitchen with some cooking tips and tricks. After all, cooking is Minnie's passion. It's her outlet for her creativity and for her nurturing and caring spirit that nobody and no devil in hell is going to steal from her. The young housewife, Celia Foote, (laughs) says to Minnie at one point, What if the chicken burns? Young Celia is in the process of overcoming fears through faith and still has a lot to learn. So Minnie freezes, and she looks Celia straight in the eye and says, Minnie don't burn, no chicken. And that was that. (laughs) End of discussion. It's not going to happen. Fear and strife can get out of there. It's not going to happen on Minnie's watch, not in her sanctuary where she pours out her love and her best gifts. It's a beautiful moment in spirit of declaring with complete conviction, oh, no, I'm not having that. It's with this same strong spirit of conviction and solidity that we can stare down strife and be victorious in the ugly face of it. For starters, it doesn't get through the screen door in the first place. Yet if resolution and reconciliation and healing is possible, then praise be to Almighty God. Amen. We hope that this podcast has been a help to you all. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and for sharing your experiences and the things you've learned with the listeners. Thank you, Glenda, for having me here. It's always a great honor. I pray that all of you will be able to disengage from strife anytime it rears its ugly head at you from now on. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization church or denomination. Are there areas of sin in your life you just can't seem to overcome no matter how hard you try? Many people live their whole lives under curses without understanding they can be free. Learn what the scriptures say about curses and why they are still relevant today. Hosea 4.6 says, 
My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Learn how to defeat every curse through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you have the knowledge, you can break curses off your life and start experiencing breakthroughs like never before. In the book Loosed from Chains of Darkness, you will learn the basics of four different types of curses. Loosed from Chains of Darkness is the most comprehensive curse-breaking book on the market today. Get your copy of Loosed from Chains of Darkness by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Do you know someone suffering from domestic violence or another form of abuse like verbal abuse? Did you know abuse has deep spiritual roots that cause abuse to be attracted to a person throughout their lifetime? Now, the Escaping Abuse Study Guide helps you discover and remove those spiritual roots so you won't be an abuse magnet. Get the Escaping Abuse Study Guide or get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. Escaping Abuse Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available now on Amazon.com. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?